I'm Chloe Potter, and this is Vision Vibes. This story was originally broadcast on television as part of NHK World Japan's interview series, Direct Talk. Despite a growing awareness of the importance of diversity, for the most part, the popular culture that we all consume doesn't reflect the world we live in. And many people with physical or other differences can be left feeling isolated when they don't see themselves in the books they read, programs they watch, or adverts they absorb. Children are particularly vulnerable to this, and today's interviewee is doing her part to address this. Amy Jandrisovitz does really important work, all from her dining table, in the slips of time she has around being a busy mum of three. Using her sewing skills and her knowledge of play therapy, she makes very special dolls for children who don't fit the standard mould. Amy pours energy and thought into her handcrafted work, work that is driven by kindness, sensitivity and empathy. It isn't an exaggeration to say that Amy's work changes lives. It's a reminder of the importance of the small. The world's problems can seem overwhelming, but we can all act locally, on a small scale. Imagine a world where everyone did this. Those small acts would add up. Enjoy listening to Amy. Here's narrator Stuart Varnum Atkin. I'll meet you on the other side. A warning that some of today's content could be triggering as it does cover children who've survived trauma, illness and injury. A doll with one short arm. A doll with a facial birthmark. Dolls with a prosthetic leg. A hearing aid and a surgical scar. These dolls were all created for children who live with special physical characteristics and medical equipment. The person who makes these dolls is the founder of the MPO A Doll Like Me, Amy Jandrasevitz. Missing limbs large birthmarks. She makes and dispatches dolls that look just like children with a disability or illness. That all capture that uniqueness and show it in a way that, that will let the child know we think you're beautiful too. Amy's little dolls create an inclusive world. Let's take a look at her activities. Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the USA. Amy lives here with her husband and three children. Remember that? What's that? This? This is... Her workspace is the dining room table at home. So this is my workspace and I use this space mostly because it's central in our house and my kids can sit here, my kids are in and out of here and I wanted to be where they are while I work. And if I have, you know, 20 minutes, I can sit down and do it and then get up and go somewhere else. The doll making process starts with a deep understanding of the request. Amy carefully looks at the messages and photos sent to her and tries to capture the features of each child's body and face. 
This is for a little girl who had cancer and to prevent the cancer from spreading, they amputated her leg. And so a friend of their family wants a doll that looks like her. Usually I'll ask the parents how they envision the doll looking um, and how they see, how they would like it represented. And then, you know, sometimes if there's a number of differences, there's certain ones that they maybe don't want to highlight. Um, but I usually encourage them to include everything. So for example, if there's a limb difference and a cleft lip and scars, I usually will tell them it's important to include all of it because that really is how the child looks. The dining table is surrounded by various colored threads, colorful pens and makeup tools. Real professional tool for making perfectly symmetrical eyes. <laughs> I easily, in my, my fabric collection, have 30 different skin tones because everybody's shade is slightly different. You know, some are darker, some are lighter. And so I don't have a standard color that I use. Because now she's ready to be glued. Each doll is handmade for just one child. No two dolls are alike, from the color of their hair to their facial expressions and clothing. In this way, dolls that reflect the uniqueness of children are created and sent all over the world. How do the children react when they receive their dolls? Ready? One more? Let's take Ready. a picture first. Daddy. Ready? Go! Go. <laughs> I was born that way. And? I'm special. <laughs> After studying the healing power of play in graduate school, Amy practiced play therapy as a social worker in a pediatric oncology department. She believes that playing with dolls that resemble themselves is psychologically beneficial for children, especially for those who are not yet proficient in speech. Well, I think that there's two pieces to it. I think that the one piece is dolls offer comfort um, because they're soft. It's something that the kid can hold. But then I think that a doll that looks like them the doll's going through the same thing that they are, and they don't feel quite so isolated. I think that it helps them, especially when they're playing in a medical setting, it helps them. Um, the little boy was so afraid that he actually shut down, so he wasn't explaining how he felt. Um, and they tried to find a way to reach him, which is why they asked me for a doll for him. Um, and through the doll, he would explain how he felt. And so he would explain that the doll felt scared or that the doll was nervous. Um, and that is, that's really how play therapy works. The child actually transfers themselves into the doll. And so therapeutically in working through that, it's, they're working through their own things. After a doll like me was launched in 2014, it received 200 orders in just two months. 
It became a non-profit organization in 2019, and thanks to public donations, it is able to deliver dolls to children for free. Amy has so far delivered more than 400 dolls around the world, and the number of names on the waiting list continues to grow. Obviously, every doll is different, right? Every doll, and I say this, every doll tells a story. Every doll represents a very unique child and a very unique situation. I think the common thread that I've seen is for a lot of these kids, they feel very isolated. They don't see themselves in the media. They don't see themselves in books. They certainly don't see other kids that look like they do. Um, and they have never seen a doll that looks like they do. And so I think that there's this isolation tends to be a very common thread because I think that that's, that's the common theme that I've seen for these kids is you aren't included. And if we really want to be an inclusive society, that's where we need to focus. However, making such dolls involves special challenges. One of the most difficult dolls that I did was um, actually for a Syrian refugee and um, requested the doll for her, for adjust again, for adjustment, for helping her with anxiety. Um, they had left Syria. Um, went to a refugee camp and the place where they were staying caught on fire. And so the little girl was in a fire um, and lost an ear and a hand um, and about half of her body was severely burned. This is the face of what it looks like. And that was a really difficult one for me to work on because she's the same age as my little girl. And I think about what some of these kids have to go through and it's just, it's a little unbelievable. And so that one took a long time because emotionally it was so hard for me. In order to make the dolls, Amy has to face the painful reality of each child's situation. And the children also look at themselves through the dolls. Initially, she's actually afraid of the doll and doesn't know who it is. Um, she didn't know it was her. And the mom said, this is you. You know, she's got the same hand as you and she has, you know, the same the hair. Um, and you can see through this series of pictures, then when she looks at it, then she starts to smile. And in the end of these photos, she's actually holding her. And she says, um, to the people taking the picture, she says, I'm going to take her to school tomorrow. Um, I mean, that one stays with me a lot. That, that, that's, that was a really difficult one to do. Today, major doll manufacturers are gradually starting to market dolls with a variety of skin colors, hair colors, and body shapes. However, by not selling prosthetic dolls, are we not instilling a sense of alienation and loneliness 
in children with prosthetic limbs? These sisters, now living in the USA, were adopted from China. They are albinos. It is not easy to find dolls with Asian faces and blonde hair. Amy has also been involved in advocacy, in other words, speaking out for the betterment of such children. I think it's something that we have imposed on these kids, unfortunately. I think that when I talk about advocacy, we have to demand better, right? We have to reward the companies that we do see being inclusive or representational or diverse, you know, and not just saying, yeah, we believe in that. Reward the companies that actually do that. Demand that companies and movies and books include all kids. As an expert in play therapy and a doll lover, Amy has faith in the power of her special dolls. On the contrary, there have been some unexpected reactions to a doll like me's activities. I think that kind of something that I didn't expect to happen from the dolls is that the child might, you know, I figured that the child would be able to accept who they are a little differently, but I didn't ex expect that other people would too. Suddenly these kids become, especially kids who have had, you know, maybe a story done about them. It's not the child with the spots or the child with the hand difference. It's the child with the doll. And that reads so differently. And I've heard this from families often. The questions typically are, what's wrong with your child? Or why does your child look that way? Or um, really a negative spin. And I think that sometimes dolls kind of soften those questions of, that's really neat that you look just like your doll. Your doll looks just like you. I think that that's an entirely different narrative. And I think that for some of these really little guys, it is a neat thing to be able to bring to school to say, it's like a work of art, right? Somebody made something that looks like you. Somebody appreciates the things that make you different. Dolls should look like the kids that love them. And the more we see the more normal this will be. The more textbooks that include all kids, the more movies that include kids, but the story's not about that difference. The narrative is going to look a lot different for these kids. First of all, you have to understand that kids learn what they're being taught, right? I think that adults are some of the worst perpetrators of really rude and really insensitive comments. I think that adults are the game changers. And until we consciously decide, and that's when I talk about how we've got to advocate for something different. And those are the people that I hope to reach, you know, in, in doing what I do. Amy continues to sew the dolls today eagerly hoping to reduce the number of children who feel lonely. So what is her motto? So I wrote, every child deserves to see themselves in the face of a doll. And I wrote that because I think that we are obligated to 
let kids see themselves in the places that matter. And for, for kids, the toy world, the toy market is the most powerful market for them. And they need to see their, their faces in the toys that they play with. Um, I think that one of the really neat pieces of this doll making that, that has happened is people want to participate in that. And I think that it sends the message to these kids and these families that we think they're unique as well. And we think that that's really beautiful. Until the beautiful diversity of humanity is truly reflected in popular culture, there will be a disconnect for the many millions of people who don't fit the so-called norm. I'll always remember a gay friend of mine showing me a short film on YouTube that depicts a world where heterosexual is no longer the magnetizing norm. It really brought it home to me how ostracizing society can feel to someone who does not fit what is depicted as normal. We all have a responsibility to encourage the representation of diversity in popular culture, and we can vote with our choices. Which books will we read? Which films will we watch? And which toys will we buy? We can't get it right all of the time. We're all doing the best we can. But being more mindful about what we choose to consume and noticing and commenting on the absence of diversity, and of course celebrating it when we do find it, is a great place to start. If you know someone who could benefit from one of Amy's dolls, you can find out more by searching online for a doll like me. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find the transcript as well as our other stories on the NHK World website. For this episode in particular, I'd encourage you to watch too, to really get a sense of the dolls and the impact they have. I'm Chloe Potter. Join us next time for more mind-expanding insights from inspiring people on Vision Vibes.